0: This is the Mosaic Church podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world.
1: You don't have to raise your hand. We're going to exempt you from raising your hands. You've actually shared the gospel with someone that's not your family member and you shared the whole gospel story in the last Two years. The reason I bring this up, we're talking about things that are dying in American culture Sears, the mall, video bookstore, yellow pages, phone booths, writing out checks, handwritten letters, hymnals, choir robes, church signs. But one thing that cannot die. What unfortunately is dying is the whole concept of evangelism. Now, if I would have told you that our sermon series, this is a picture of uh, Luke the evangelist. If I would have told you that we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about evangelism, you might consider, you know, typically the, the response is like, I think I'm feeling a little sore. I'm not going to come to church. Uh, you know, it's not something that's super appealing. But I'm telling you that our our sermon series that we've been talking about sent that that Jesus was sent. Jesus was being sent by the Father. We talked about that on the on the first series, and so that's why we titled it "Sent." But we didn't title it "Evangelism" because a lot of the times the concept of the word evangelism denotes or conjures up some negative feelings. And so, and I didn't want you to skip church for three weeks, so that's why we called it Scent. But evangelism, and I'll define it, is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what setting I was in. Maybe it was this setting or, or a small group. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Evangelism is someone who brings good news to someone who desperately needs to hear it. It's not something that's optional in the church. Evangelism isn't like, and I should have asked this question, how many of you ever wore elephant ear jeans? That would have been the 1990s, mid-90s. It's not like that where it's trendy and then it loses its trend. It's, evangelism and sharing the good news is not something that at one time was fashionable and then has gone out of fashion. One day I had my nephews over my house and I, they were being fed by my wife and I come downstairs, if you know from a house, I have an upstairs, and I came downstairs and immediately my, son, my nephew said to me, Uncle Mario, are you wearing jorts? I'm like, yeah, and what of it? And he just giggled. And then, uh, then I dawned. I mean, I asked my daughter, who's very good at fashion, like, are these out of style? She goes, I think so. And she was pretty young at the time. But the evangelism doesn't it can never go out of style. But it has. Uh, I work a lot with college students. And we, we do a lot of research with our college students across the country, and it's something that's just kind of waning, talking to people about Jesus. Matter of fact, they, we use, sometimes people use a negative connotation word with it as proselytizing. And so, if, I don't know if you've been reading the latest trends in our culture But even among Christian young people, the whole concept of evangelism slash proselytizing is now deemed as offensive and negative. In the Bible, it tells us in Luke chapter 5, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? This is Jesus speaking. I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders. An invitation to a changed life, changed from the inside to the outside. In Matthew chapter 18, your Father in heaven doesn't want to lose even one. In Luke chapter 19, I came to seek and save those who are lost. In Luke chapter 14, go out to the roads and the country lanes and urge people there to come to my house so it will be full. Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And so evangelism and sharing the good news and talking to people or communicating the good news is not something that can be lost in the church. It can't be lost in our church. It cannot go out with the shopping mall. In John chapter 20, Jesus says, Just as the Father sent me, I send you and me. He sends us out. Because Jesus' mission was modeled to us by our Lord and Savior Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. Discipleship and, and evangelism are all modeled by our Lord, not to be fashionable or to be a suggestion. There was a purpose. And Jesus has been on this mission. When he was on earth, he was about this mission because he was sent to seek and save those who were lost. And we call it the Great Commission, but sadly we might have to change it to the Great Omission in Matthew chapter 28. Go to the people of all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all that I have commanded. Our very first sermon, that's actually our second sermon at Mosaic Church 11 years ago, was Matthew chapter 28. Go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Some scriptures might interpret the word obey, but the proper, I would say, definition is Observe. We can get, or we could try to get children to obey, but they have no cl- clue why. We can get our pets to obey, or at least some pets, dogs at least, um, to obey, but they don't really know why. And Jesus is calling us to go and make disciples and teach them to observe all that I've commanded. And so we've been on an 11-year journey here at Mosaic Church to find out what Jesus commanded. And to begin to observe them. And so our very first long sermon series was the Ten Commandments. And and then we went to the the Beatitudes. We wanted to go to what Jesus was teaching. We want to do what he's telling us to do. But there is another word that typically, especially in in the 90s and 80s, everybody focused on it, was the word go. Go. Go to the people. But that word go is important. It's something that we cannot just ignore. It's hard to reach people unless you go and, and meet them. You know, if you've been around long enough, we know that we don't want to be like the Pharisees who walk around and wait to be greeted. You know, they walk around in their, their garb and, and they're, they're, they're the kind of people who says, Hey, I'm here. Come to me. But Jesus models something different. The opposite of that, he says, "Oh look, here you are." He makes it a point to go and to, and to greet people. We talk about greeting one another with a holy kiss, and we don't do that in our culture. I was just in Spain a few weeks, a few days ago, and they do that at their culture. Was, uh, there was a sweet older, elderly lady, stranger to us. We never saw her the whole time we were there. And we were waiting for our Uber uh, taxi driver to show up. And we were sitting outside on a bench. And the lady comes out of the same Airbnb apartment complex that we were staying. And she goes, hey, are you leaving? We said, yes. And she grabbed my wife and greeted her. It literally made our trip. That special little cherry on top. She greeted us and we felt it's the warmth uh, greeting of an elderly lady. And Jesus says, go, go, go and make disciples. And this is what should fuel us as a church, is the great commission to go and make disciples. This is what should challenge us. And Romans chapter 10 says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him unless they hit ha- they believe in Him. And how can they believe in Him if they've never heard of Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? It's hard to be sent if you don't go. Sending is meaningless when we don't do what God is calling us to do. And that's what evangelism is really all about. It's not pushy. It's not obnoxious. It's not opinionated. It's not annoying. It's not the things that we all hate about it. But it's about sharing the good news. And so a lot of times when we think of evangelism... Let's be honest, and you can be honest because I'm already raising my so You'll be in good company. Does the word evangelism conjure up some sort of negative connotation? Raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. All right. Okay, a few of you are honest. All right. I need some water. Crazy weather. It's like dried out. Heat here. There's all different styles of evangelism. I've done all sorts of evangelism in my life. I've done uh, open air preaching. When I think about it, I was really bad. All right. I think I used the analogy of the Titanic in my first open air preaching. And I did hear some people giggling, Uh, not just here. Um, I handed out leaflets. My very first encounter with doing college evangelism, I was at USF in front of the library handing out what we call tracts. I've uh, talked to strangers, complete strangers, and, and paused them as they were walking somewhere uh, and try to talk to them about Jesus. Uh, some of you would remember the days we would do bar witnessing. We would go on Tennessee Street on Thursday night around 11 o'clock, and we would uh, plant a cross. Right there on Tennessee Street, and then we would just say, we literally would just say, "Hey, Jesus loves you." I've done one-on-ones and just walk around the community and just see if someone's by themselves and ask the Lord to direct us. And if someone, you know, like go to that person, we just sit down. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, my name is Mario. Uh, have you ever thought about, you know, life and death? And, you know, where we came from. Just begin to strike up conversations, um, and then try to share the love in super practical ways. I'm not here to tell you that there's a way, but I am telling us that the church has a mission, the Great Commission. As Jesus was sent, he's sending us to go and to make disciples. One of the most impactful events that happened in my life, I was a young man about uh, 17 turning 18, and I went to a church, but I was not, I was not a follower of Jesus. I was far from being a follower of Jesus. I was a rebellious, non-follower, non-loving teenager. My dad says, uh, we have to go do a plumbing job. So he didn't say, hey, do you want to go help me? He basically said, we're going to go do a plumbing job. I'm like, I I don't want to go. I said that in my head. I never said it to him, right? And so it turns out it was my youth pastor's house. And so we... I begrudgingly grabbed all the the equipment, uh, the the tools, and I used to hate it, going with my dad, because it's usually copper plumbing, small pieces, and it would have a bucket, and then he would dump it, looking for his part, and then tell me to to clean up the bucket, you know, put everything back in. So, I didn't want to go. So, when I got to, um, now, my youth pastor's house, I just walk in, and I literally walk in the door, and there was, like, surprise. Uh, and the whole youth leadership uh, threw me a surprise party. It was, my birthday. I, it was my birthday week. To me, that's bringing the good news of Jesus Christ in an incredibly practical way. And even though I didn't bow my knee to Jesus that day, but that, what that did was begin to water and soften my heart that a few months later I would give my life to Jesus. So a lot of times we think of evangelism, we think maybe that's the way I just mentioned, open air preaching, handing out leaflets, but it's more, it's, it's different. Let me just read another scripture before, I want to show you a video, but John chapter uh, one, Jesus with, was with two of his disciples and when he saw Jesus by, he said, look, somebody saw Jesus, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus and Andrew. Was one of the two who had heard what John had said. Now listen to what it says. Andrew was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. Do you see what's going on? Andrew heard about John's life, and now Andrew finds his brother Simon, and he tells him, tells him that be found the Messiah, and then he brought Simon to Jesus. Then Philip found out and told Nathaniel and told Nathaniel about Jesus. And then he says that we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then he, got, he says, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked. And then this is what Philip says, come and check it out. John invited Andrew. Andrew invites Simon, Peter. Then Philip invites Nathaniel. And it went on and on and on about authentic personal relationships. But they were sent, they went and did something. And so I believe God is calling us to not forget about being sent, not to forget about going. Last week, I prayed specifically after the sermon, and we talked, and I prayed. I said, Lord, give me an opportunity, and lo and behold, I I play soccer on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, an adult league, and lo and behold, man, the opportunity just came up. It was as though it was special ordered from my prayer, and we began a conversation. It lasted about seven minutes, and then we... Went on to play, but I'm believing God that that will be a continuation of what's going on uh, about reaching out. I don't know, and I don't know how to say his name, but I, I recognize his face. His name is uh, Pen Gillette. Does anybody who know Pen Gillette raise your hand? Okay, he's famous. He's an outspoken atheist. He's got this uh, like this. Um, blog, and he has this thing in, on, in Las Vegas. He's, he's very popular. And he posted a video. I would like for us to watch it.
0: I want to talk to you about this. Uh, I get home from the show, and at the end of the show, as I've mentioned before, we go out and we, uh, we talk to folks and you know sign an occasional autograph and shake hands and so on. And there was one guy waiting over to the side. What I call the hover position. After I was old on Big Guy, probably about my age. Big Guy, and um, he had been the um, the guy who has uh, picks the joke during our psychic comedian section of the show. Uh, so we had the props from that in his hand because we give those away. He had the the joke book and the and the envelope. And if you haven't seen the live show I, uh, it's not worth explaining but he had props from the show that we'd given him from the night before uh, he wasn't the guy that night and he walked over to me and he said um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it and I wanted and he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about you know honesty and stuff He said nice stuff. No reason to go into it. He said nice stuff. And then he said, I brought this for you. And he handed me a uh, Gideon pocket edition. Um, I thought it said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? uh, Psalms from the New, just part of the New Testament. little book about this big, this thick, you know. He said, I wrote in the front of it. And I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive, and he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, Uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on, and then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know... There's no God. And one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, But I'll tell you, he was a very, very, very good man. And uh, that's really important. And with that kind of goodness, uh, it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement. I still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff, but man... That was a good man who gave me that book. That's all I wanted to say. How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them the
1: truth? Now I'm not here. uh, If you know me and you've been part of our church, we don't play the guilt game. We don't feel like that's proper way of motivation. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. And I will tell you that 99.100% of the sermons I preach, I am preaching to me first preaching to me first. Because quite honestly, I think I need it first. I think the reason I'm here in this position is not because I'm an all-star and you guys are not. It's the opposite. I think I need it first. I think God uh, used my ego and my, my pride and he took that and used that to teach me something so I could be close to him and learn from him because I need it the most. So um, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them the truth and reach out? I'll be honest with you, that hurt. It hurt me. When I say hurt, I mean like convicted. I felt like, wow, powerful words. You know, a lot of times I'm, I struggle with evangelism because maybe I'm not the, the person that I need to be, and so I, I keep quiet. But as we've been talking about last week, remember last week, we, I asked you to think about someone. Remember we talked about the Lazarus and, and uh, the ruler that, that was dressed in, in linen, I mean, um, uh, Purple robes, uh, the rich man, and they both died. And we talked about last week that they, you know, that death is going to happen. And then that the the rich man was in hell, and burning. And he wanted, to, and he became an evangelist too late. And we used the caption, the burning, uh, the flaming evangelist. He wanted to talk about uh, sending the message of the good news, but it was too late. And last week we talked about think of someone in your mind, and your, your family circle or social circle, that you would think that would need to hear the good news. Okay, and then we talk about the second step. Well, if, okay, now that we know, then, then whose responsibility is it to reach? And, of course, we know the Holy Spirit is the one that brings salvation, but who is going to go? In the old days, you, the church would always expect the pastor to do it all. And so last week we talked about, okay, now we know that this is for real. We have an an evangelist who's in hell and it's too late. He can't do anything about it. But he wants someone to go send a messenger to his family and let him know. And we thought about someone who would need the gospel to hear the good news. Okay, so who is going to go then? And last week we talked about the responsibility of our community in this time frame in history is our responsibility. The people who have gone before us and who are gone, they can't come back and do the evangelism for us. We have to do our part. And so, as we come close to our message, the end of the message, I pray that God will begin to, to begin to, soften our hearts, and that we would ask God to open a door. Last week, I prayed it, and it it happened. I don't know why I was surprised, but it happened. A door got wide open. That's the first step, and we're going to pray in a second. Lord, open a door. The second thing is that when that door is open, that we walk in it. If you were here like four months ago, three months ago, I talked to you about there was a door that w- opened up for me, and I didn't walk through it. And I'm still praying. I haven't seen that gentleman since, but I'm praying that that door would open again. That we would pray, Lord, open a door. And the second thing is that we would, that we would walk through it. Can we go to the next slide? Acts chapter 13, verse 47, for this is what the Lord has commanded. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, those who don't know, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter 13. Jesus has made you a light, a light in a world of darkness. Just so you know, my, some of my motivations, a couple weeks ago I went to Spain and I posted a lot of it on, on Facebook. I don't, I don't like to do that, typically, because I'm, I'm not trying to, like, show off, like, I'm in Spain, look at you. You're back at home and I'm in Spain. You see the difference? I'm not playing that game. Um, and, boy, Robin and I, we're not perfect spouses, but, man, I want them I want my people who are connected to me, the people that are connected to me, to see that of God's goodness. God's goodness. And I know it's a a bit of a facade. Just even at Whole Foods, you know, some say, hey, I saw you were in Spain. It's like, yes, best time of my life. God's been good to us. Just kind of slip that in. Because it is because of God. If it wasn't for God, we would not be in Spain together. So I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be a light. That's why some things I feel I don't post on Facebook because I'm trying to be a light. I'm not trying to just be, you know, turn off people. And I'm wondering, sometimes the things that we might post might be right, but it could be dimming the light of Jesus in someone else's life. So I'm very careful what we post, because so I want to be a light. For this is what the Lord has commanded. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not provide for you. So we're going to pray right now, we're going to finish here, that God will open a door for you to talk to someone about the good news. How beautiful it it is are the feet of those who bring good news. The good news is that Jesus wants to be reunited with his creation. He does that through Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we just ask that you would help us at Mosaic Church not to let reaching out, going out, uh, evangelism, Go out with the shopping mall, with the video stores, and the phone booths, the church hymnals, the choir robes. Lord, that we would recognize that this is not an option. Lord, I thank you, Father. Lord, we pray right now for an open door. That you somehow you would create a situation that the door would be open. But Lord, the second part, which I think is the most crucial part, and Lord, this is where we rely on the Holy Spirit. Give us the courage to walk through that door. And Lord, even though we might fumble through words and stutter and and get confused, I pray, God, that you would give us courage to walk through that door. We say thank you. Or we trust that you will do that. Because we know that you come to seek and save that was lost, and you want to be reunited with your creation. All your imagers who are strayed. Or you love them or we love them. We say thank you in your precious name. We pray. And everybody said, Amen.
0: We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.MosaicChurchTLH.com.